Hi, I'm Liz. <laughs> and I'm Katie. Welcome back to Max's Fearless Youth. Today we're with Yvonne and Jordan. Yvonne is the CEO of Max's Kansas City Project. And Jordan is a singer, songwriter, musician. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes. So today we're going to be interviewing both of them about their own experiences and how their struggles with substances and the arts help them get through that. So Yvonne, yeah. how did you get started with Max's Kansas City Project? Okay, well, let me tell you how I got started with Max's. Yes. Okay, so, so I, I'm going to preface for everybody out there, all these teens globally, um, Max's Kansas City was a very famous restaurant bar club, not in Kansas, in New York City, that uh, really was the... Um, the epicenter for all of the arts. Anyone that you could think of from the late 60s through the 70s either showed their art there, or they performed there, or they made their connections there, or they met their wives and husbands there. <laughs> <laughs> they got into Broadway plays by hanging out there. Warhol hung out in that back room. That was his place where he found many of his superstars. So it, it was really a mecca for for globally, for people all of the arts all over the world, they would come to New York, and the first place they would go was Max's Kansas City. So when I graduated college, I was 21, and I went out to Haight-Ashbury for the Summer of Love. I had never been to San Francisco, so that was my first agenda. And, uh, and then I had wanted to travel around Europe, I had waitressed in college, and I thought, well, I'll waitress for six months. I'll make a lot of money, and then I'll go traveling before I decide what I'm going to do with my life. And I came back to New York from—actually, I hitchhiked back from, with somebody from Haight-Ashbury. And, um, and I was trying to find—I didn't know where to go to work to get work. And I had a friend who lived there who had been there for a long time. And he said, go to this place called Max's Kansas City. It's the hottest place in downtown New York where the waitresses make a lot of money and they're treated like stars. And I said, oh, yay, but how am I going to get an interview? You know, everybody wants to be a waitress there. And, and it just so destiny had it that it turned out that um, somebody that we went to high school with was a waitress there. And he said, just use her name. So I did. And that's how I got the interview. And the short of it is that I didn't know who Mickey was when he interviewed me. I was sitting outside and I looked up at this big marquee and it said steak, lobster, and chickpeas. I also had no idea what chickpeas were at the time. We never had those growing up. Um, and I walked in. There was this huge, enormous place. It was really huge. And um, I was dressed to the nines because I really needed this job. And I went upstairs and yet waited for my turn. And, and I had seen this person walking down the street that had, looked like kind of like Ichabod Crane, and he had this, this, this suit jacket on and this big flowered tie and his hair hung over his eye. And I kind of watched him. And when I went upstairs, that was the guy who was interviewing me. And I had no idea who he was, didn't have a clue. I didn't know. I thought maybe he managed the place. 
But anyway, a lot of sparks were flying in that room. There was an instant connection. And we had a lot in common when we started talking. So he said, actually, I like you too much, so I'm not going to hire you. I said, no, I "I really need this job. So he said, okay, I'll I'll let you trail for a few nights. You trailed. And so that was the beginning of my Max's experience. And I actually went home, who I was sharing a place with with my sister. And I said, I met the man who's going to be the father of my children. Wow. Yeah, and wow. and then I and then I and then I found out when I started waitressing there that he was the owner, and that he was married and he had children. He had two children. And I was thinking, what happened to my fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> fantasy. And I, anyway, over time, it came to pass. It turned out that you know it just was meant to be. It was mm. destiny. You know we got together and we had children and and so sadly we were together when he passed away. But he passed away and he was a man who didn't drink, smoke, or take drugs. An incredibly generous human being. He, he was the first one ever to trade art for tabs, with wow. um, artists who became wildly famous. You know, he gave him a credit card. He'd say, here's, you know, so much in cash and here's a credit card. And then they could wine and dine the art critics and the, and, and the um, art dealers, even though they might not have had a lot of money. And, they, and it was a very creative time. But eventually he owned 10 different places and he got caught up in that drug scene with a partner that he had in one of the restaurants. And... Um, very sadly, he died of an accidental drug overdose at the age of 50. And it had just a tremendous, I can't even tell you the ripple effect it has on the family. In the spirit of a beautiful friend that I've lost, um, you know, years ago, happy birthday, Michael White. Today is his birthday. Oh, wow. Super generous, incredible, beautiful artist, um, really about the youth. So I feel like he's here in spirit. Mm. Um, but um, something that helped me transmute those those losses that I've had was um, training people to use Narcan overdose kits. And I actually brought one here. I already kind of showed you. Yeah. Um, so this, everybody out there, is a Narcan overdose kit. And um, pretty much like they're super easy to use. If somebody's overdosing, you just spray it into their nose mm. and it blocks their opioid receptors. And um, it just looks like this little nasal spray. Mm. And um, it has the ability to save somebody's life. And so um, at any of my gigs um, or, you know, friends of mine who want to supply this at their at their shows, I'll give like a little demonstration. And then through Hudson Valley Community Services, they supply the Narcan and anybody who wants one can take one for free. That's great. Um, yeah. And so I've got a page on Instagram um, called Artists Above Overdose. And uh, yeah, it's like in a baby stage right now, but I hope to like be able to train yeah. other community leaders to be able to distribute themselves. And that's my mission. Well, it's so important. It's really awesome. The, you know, the overdoses are really go on the rise in the family. It's insane. It's a, it's literally a pandemic. It like, is really a pandemic. Yeah. 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 So it's really so important. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So... How did you get your start in music? I guess like I've always had music in me, you know, like um, I remember being like a baby and like, uh, you know, those like Playmobil things. Yeah. Like when I was going to bed, like it was just like playing that like lullaby song. And I remember once it hit that 
that octave part, like da 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 da. Um, I started like crying because I thought it was like so beautiful. It just like moved through me, you know. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like that's everybody, you know. Like we all have music in us, and um, and my parents were both into cool music, you know, different genres. And uh, my grandma was always like playing classical music, you know. And uh, and then my grandfather bought me my first guitar, and it was like circumstantially around like stuff I was really going through at home. Like I, wow. I grew up in a really abusive household. Um, and, uh, and my, um, and my mom was also like, I wasn't living with her and she was uh, going through this massive drug addiction mm. to pharmaceuticals just, uh, and it was really, really intense. And that's when I like f realized that like, playing my guitar, you know, writing these songs, like what I was going through was being transmuted, you know, into something that like, even if it's not something that seems so positive on the, on the surface, it's like all compartmentalized outside of you. You can sort of see it all, you know, and interpret yeah. it all, you know, and it, and it becomes like medicine. Like every time you play it, you can sort of approach that like horrible, really tough subject safely, you know? And, um, and then, you know, like I said before, you know, when you start expressing yourself with other people, you know, like playing out and stuff, you have other people resonating with that. And then they'll yeah. come up to you and say how much, you know, like a certain song touched them. And you're like, whoa, like, okay, this is not only medicine for myself, but for everybody, you know, and it just kind of, you know, exponentializes from there. Um, but uh, if I don't play music, I feel like dying. So I feel like I had some, I have to. You I know. understand that yeah. completely. I I joined band in high school uh -huh. um, my sophomore year because freshman year was COVID. We didn't have it. Okay, yeah. And I was dealing with a lot, you know, uh, similar to you. And oh wow! When I started band, I finally had like a community of musicians. I mean, our band is one of the largest in New York State. Yeah. Wow. It was like 170 people. Where's that Kingston? Kingston or High School. Yeah. yeah. A lot of us, and so I got put on an instrument I never played before. Uh -huh. Mallet percussion. What was it? Mallet percussion, so like xylophone, marimba. Whoa, amazing. Yeah, it's the closest cool. thing to piano. I've been yeah, playing piano totally. for 12 years, uh -huh. so that was the closest thing. Uh -huh. And so with that, I had a community and some of my closest friends I got mm. through playing music with them. Totally. So it's really a community. And honestly, the time when I realized my music really moves people was uh -huh. I also play accordion. I taught myself for fun. That's so cool. <laughs> That's a really cool instrument. It's really yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah. So I was in my room playing by myself. Mm. The holidays are always hard for me. I believe it was around the holidays and mm. I was learning. Yeah. Usually is for people with like a kind of. Yeah. You know, crazy circumstances yeah. in the family. Yeah. So I was in my room and I was learning a new song that uh -huh. I heard. It's like a sort of folk song. Uh -huh. It's called the Hurdy Gurdy Man. Hurdy Gurdy is <laughs> like a German folk instrument. Sounds sounds German. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom was familiar with the song and she walked in and I'm like, hey, do you want to hear the song? Mm -hmm. And then I started playing it. And then like I looked up and then she was crying. Because wow. of the song, I'm like, I didn't know my music could what have did that, that effect. Feel like? I thought this is powerful. Yeah, the music, you yeah. know, it yeah. can convey such emotion. Yeah, I like. I always felt it, but I didn't know that like I can make other people feel yeah. it as well. Yeah, it's that's, very that's incredible. Powerful. What a beautiful experience too. It's cool how like you looked up. Like, did you look up after you were finished playing? Or like, I was like during... sort of in the middle. Like I was yeah. gonna look at my instrument to like shift, and yeah. then I look up and I see my mom. I'm like, 
I stop. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, it's just a sad song. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, it really is like sound, like, you know, it's, it's the emotion. It's like the ephemeral, like beyond words. Like, I mean, we can put lyrics to it, you know, mm-hmm. but like, it's like by its bare nature, it's just emotion. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. And also like you were probably feeling that song as well. And like kind of your, your atmosphere was, yeah, you know, it's a very her. like spiritual thing. It mm. resonates with you and then outwards to mm-hmm. the people around you. Mm-hmm. I remember I formed a really strong connection with one of my friends when we shared an instrument, we were on marimba together playing mm. on the same instrument. And that was almost like, we were sharing a mind totally so in sync yeah Yeah. it's it's crazy to like jam with people right and like intuitively everybody knows when something's Mm going to change you know and it's that like it's getting out of that left brain and into your heart and into your your right mind where it's just like you're feeling you know you're and and that feeling doesn't lie you know you can't second guess it or else you fall out of the pocket Mm -hmm. you know and it's kind of like it can be like a microcosm for your life too you know like um just like being in rhythm and just like not thinking too hard and just feeling feeling it and feeling out you know where should i go who should i talk to you know do i really want to express myself this way or that way you know yeah um yeah but that's that's incredible liz tell us a little bit about your your you you play an instrument and yeah your experience let's say um we'll round it out my experience (laughs) i know with you and the band um it was kind of really different because mm-hmm. um, my experience was kind of more negative. Mm. I I didn't really have that like great experience with the band. It was just kind of, they, they kind of made me want to not play music oh, anymore. Wow. And I think when I reached that point, I knew I had to get out of that environment Mm -hmm. because like my whole life I've been around music um my mom always used to tell me the like when I was like super young the first like words I actually knew were lyrics to an Alicia Keys song Mm. (laughs) like I would always sing Alicia Keys and like music has always just been a part of my life and the moment where I felt like I don't want to do this anymore it was kind of just like a scary time mm-hmm. so I know I had to leave and people tell me like the band is awesome and the band is really awesome it was just like the period of time like mentally where I was and just like because band is like a full-time job mm. yeah it's very really hard. demanding yeah all summer wow yeah all summer mm-hmm. and they had me on I was in the band and orchestra so I was so I was playing two instruments in the band and I was playing my orchestral instrument. So it was just like a lot. And it just, like my love of music mm-hmm. was leaving. It's like work, it sounds yeah, like. It yeah, it was just like, oh, it was kind of like a nine to five. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I ended up leaving the band. Um, but during that time, uh, I... I was playing the bass in the back. So I mm. kind of took that time for myself and started playing it alone, like s- just solo mm. and not in a band form because even if I did do it in band form, I don't think I would be able to um, keep up my end of the bargain if we were all in a band because the band is a commitment. And mm. I 
was not able to in that time period keep mm-hmm. up my and big commitment. Yeah. Yeah. So it took me a long time to get comfortable with even looking at music or even touching my instruments. And now I'm at a place where, yeah, I can. It was actually the first week of July. That was the first time my band and I performed together. Wow. Um, after it was like the first time we were all like they were knew I was ready and then we were all ready. And yeah, it was like what you said. You could all just like feel when something was going to change. It was yeah. kind of just like in the mood, in the air. And it was like, it was very nice. 